Father, thank you for giving us another day of life, another day of your grace, so that we may assemble ourselves together as your people and bow our hearts before you. You are our Lord, and we bow before your word as well. It is our word. We submit to you and to it. So teach us from the scriptures, we pray. Would you use this word to bring conviction and salvation where those are needed? Would you use this, use this word to strengthen and build up your blood-bought people? We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. So let's just back up a little bit from our text and remind ourselves where we are in the Bible. So there's Old Testament and New Testament. We're in New Testament. And in the New Testament, we're in epistles, and we're in the one that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And in the first three chapters, Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3, he's laying down doctrine. Here's what you're to believe. Here's orthodoxy. And it's the gospel and how you were saved, and it's Jew and Gentile, one new man, one new body, and it's, it's, it's uh, information. There weren't many commands in Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3. It was mostly information. Believe this would be the command. Now we've come to Ephesians 4 and 5 and 6, where Paul begins chapter 4 with the word, therefore. So, building upon the doctrine laid down in 1 and 2 and 3, uh, because of what's in 1, 2, and 3, therefore. And then he begins to teach us in 4 and 5 and 6 what to do. So we had what to believe, three chapters, what to do, how to practice, orthopraxy in 4 and 5 and 6. It's what to do. And I don't know if you've been keeping count, but in chapter 4, there were 20 commands. Hardly any in chapters 1, 2, and 3. You get to chapter 4, 20 commands. Do this, do this, don't do that, do this. Now we're in chapter 5. There have been 22 commands so far. So we've covered, in not many weeks, 42 commands of God. The 43rd command is going to be, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. So knowing that this is very command-oriented, and it should be, it's right that it should be, in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, here's what I want you all to do. Here's what my church should be busy with. You make disciples, that's lead people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, then what do we do, Lord? Well, baptize them. Yes, then what do we do, Lord? And then teach them to do everything I have commanded you. So it's absolutely essential. It's not only legitimate, it's essential that we spend time in the command portions of the New Testament teaching what to do. Now, we want to keep in mind that what we're to render to these commands is not what theologians have long called legal obedience. Rather, we want to render what they have called evangelical obedience. In other words, Lord, I want to obey you in these commands because of the power of the evangel, the good news, the gospel in my soul. So it's obedience that is because you are my Lord and I bow before you and now your word is my command. It's obedience because you've given me a new heart and my new heart says, oh, how I love your law. It's because I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, new things. I want to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. And so we gladly receive God's word as he tells us, well, frankly, what to do. 
You're probably tired of my same thing week after week. When I come to another one of these passages with numerous commands, I start off each week, almost every week, saying, now I just want you to remember, this is not how you become a Christian, obeying these commands. This is how you live as a Christian, obeying these commands. But I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to spend time on that today because there's a lot to cover and I'm just going to go into it. So give us verse 22 again, please, slide man. Five, Ephesians 5, 22. And here's a quick review. I shouldn't say review because nobody listens to a review. Here we are. Yes. Last week we saw first from verse 22, the command. And the command is very simple and very plain. There's nothing confusing about it. Wives, submit or be submissive to your own husband. So that's the command. It's repeated. We saw in Colossians 3.18. It's repeated in 1 Peter 3.1. It even shows up, and I didn't read this last week, so I want to now. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, there are gender-differentiated commands, and within genders, there are age-differentiated commands. Old men, young men, older women, younger women. And to the older women, Paul writes this, Titus 2, verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled." So it's even in the command to the older women. What should older women do? You're an older woman and you want to have a teaching ministry. And thank God for older women in this church who have teaching ministries. My wife is partaking of one of those ministries and loving it. And it's faithfully teaching her in the things of God. Thank God for that. And, and Paul gives it a specific focus. Doesn't mean this is all you can do. But here's something you ought to be sure to do. Teach the younger women to be submissive to their husbands. So this is found in many places in the Word. This is, this is the command in our passage. It is submission to a husband. The family is a hierarchy, whether people in our culture, none of this is politically correct, right? Do we care? No, we want to be biblically correct. So none of this is PC, but all of this is the word of God. And the, the, the family is a hierarchy with a husband who is the head. There's a head at the top of the family. Now, let me squeeze in a couple of interesting things just here before we go further. So one of my daughters-in-law, her name is Jen. She married our youngest son. His name is Matthew. How did that happen, by the way? Well, he was interested in another girl, and I had a father-son talk one day with him and said, um, maybe not her. Oh, why? This, 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 this. He said, okay, then do you know anybody I should consider? Funny you should ask. I have a pastor friend in Downingtown. His name is Mitch. How about his daughter, Jen? They're married. It worked. They have three kids, and we see them a lot. And I love them. Well, here's why am I referring to them? Because she wrote me. Apparently, she listens to most or all of these sermons. I think sometimes Jen even listens to them during our early service live before she goes to church to hear her dad preach. So she's hearing from her dad-in-law and her dad 
on Sundays. And then she sometimes writes me, and she wrote me last week about last week's sermon, and she said, thanks for your sermon on Sunday. I think biblical submission is one of the hardest topics in the Bible for the women of my generation to accept. She goes on, it was interesting. While I was listening to a podcast I liked last week, they were covering a deconstruction of the faith and the progressive Christianity movement. And they were saying that what the Bible teaches about a hierarchy that puts the man at the head, they view as abusive toward women. And also she thinks a lot of people don't want to accept the Bible's view of sexuality. And those two things, abusive to women and not right about sexuality, are some of the top reasons that lead people into deconstructing. Like, I don't want the Bible because of what it says about marriage. There's a lot of that in our day. By the way, just here's another little interesting tidbit before we go farther. So every Sunday morning, one of my joys is get downstairs quick. So get up at 4.50, about 5.10, I got my coffee, I'm down at my desk and review my sermon. Well, I didn't even review my sermon this morning. It'll come out all right. I reviewed it last night. It's okay. But I thought, I just want to listen to some guys. And every Sunday, I listen to some guys. And the first one I always check out is, let me go see what John MacArthur preached last Sunday. Guess what he preached last Sunday? Ephesians 5, verse 22. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And I listened to his sermon. I didn't change mine. I'm not going to plagiarize. Didn't make mine line up with his, though they lined up very much. But I thought it was kind of cool that when I listened to MacArthur today, that's what he was on last week. Also, if you're curious, maybe you're not, I also listened to a John Piper sermon this morning. It was amazing. And then I got into R.C. Sproul and didn't get to finish it because when I pulled up, I was about half done and I had to turn R.C. off. But that was my morning diet, and it changes from time to time. But those have been three of my major go-tos for a long, long time. So what am I saying? I'm back to uh, the wife's submission is uh, the command here. Uh, Secondly, we noted last week there are some limitations to the command. For example, he says, submit yourself to your own husband. So we noted this is not the submission of one half of the human race to the other half of the human race. It's not that at all. It's one woman to one man in each household. Then we saw thirdly a reason because the text says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So God ordained male headship. The word head is a metaphor for authority. You are to rank yourself under him because he is your head. He has greater authority in the context of the home. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm not soft-pedaling it for you. I don't want to do that. I want you to get the straight stuff and the real message of what God's Word actually says. And then we saw an example, and he says, do this, just as Christ is head of the church, and the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to your husbands. Then we saw the extent, and Paul says, do this, submit to them in everything. Well, we know he didn't really mean everything. He means everything but the things you know he really doesn't mean. Like if the husband says, would you knock off believing in Jesus Christ? You say, no. If the husband says, I want to beat on you, does she say, well, okay, I submit to that? No. If the husband is making demands on her body that he doesn't have the right to make demands about, she has the right to say, no, for example. 
there certainly are some limits to this, right? We all agree with that, right? We all believe that. Paul's saying, like, that's understood. Don't fault the man because he didn't mention everything on the list, all right? Don't make him an offender for a word or the lack thereof. But that's what we saw last week. And then the clock got us and time ran out. But now we're going to go to what I'm calling observations and clarifications on this theme. Here's number one. Submission does not mean that the wife is inferior in worth or value or you add what you want right there. She's not inferior. Submission does not imply inferiority does not imply inferior personhood. We know that because God the Son was and remains submissive to God the Father, though he's equal with the Father in godness and attributes. There's no inferiority of God the Son. And we know this because God the Son, when he came incarnate in human flesh. He was a son to a man and a woman, and he submitted himself to them as he grew in wisdom and understanding. And he certainly wasn't inferior to them in any way, though he lived in submission to their rightful oversight of his life. So we know this doesn't mean anything about inferiority. Not to put too fine a point on it, submission does not imply inferior intelligence. Amen? I'm just tempted to ask, well, I'm not going to. Raise hands, guys. Don't do it. How many of you know she can outsmart you in any number of things? Right? It doesn't mean that. So men and women score about the same on the SATs. You know, that's an IQ test. If you get a perfect 1,600, you're really smart. If you get 1,000, you're average. All right? Men and women score about the same. Interesting, though, and this is easily verifiable, uh, the people who make the tests are really bright and they really study this thing and they've figured out that if we make the test that way, men will score higher than women. If we make the test that way, women would score higher than men because their intelligence different differs. They're interested in different things and they're good at different things. So they've rightly, I think, made the test so we all come out about equal, but we are different. So that's interesting. Submission does not imply intellectual inferiority or inferiority in worth or value. Staying on the theme of intellectual inferiority or not, let me just talk to you about Debbie and me. So she has gifts I don't and vice versa. So I'm gonna exaggerate here, but not terribly much. I'm gonna exaggerate. I just wanna warn you about my wife. If you haven't met her yet, when she meets you, it's gonna be shocking to you, she will already intuitively know your name. She doesn't even have to ask. I will not remember your name. She already knows it and will never forget it. I'm forever t- describing somebody and what's their name? What's, and she's telling me. She knows. She knows everybody's name. She probably, if you have a conversation with her, she will probably intuit your social security number. <laughs> she just automatically, and she'll never forget it. She knows these things. I couldn't memorize your social security number if I tried. I struggle to remember mine. Starts with 201. I'm not telling you the rest. You say, well, Pastor Steve, what what are you good at? I can open the pickle jar. I'm proud of that. When she hands me a jar, can you open this? I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. 
I can reach the things on the high shelves in the kitchen cabinet. I love it when she asks, can you help me? Can you get this down? Yeah, baby, I'm your man. We're different. Submission also, staying on number one, does not mean that the wife is inferior in wisdom or in general competence. Many a competent woman is married to a less competent man. There are some clear examples of that in the Old Testament. There was a woman named Jezebel, and she was shrewd. This woman had brains, and she was married to the, I hope you won't mind me saying this, she was married to the weenie, pouting Ahab, who was king and who was afraid to use his authority and get something done. And she told him, oh, go do it. And then there's Abigail, who was married to the graceless, senseless dolt named Nabal. So this certainly doesn't mean men have more wisdom. Yeah, I've seen a lot of men make a lot of bad decisions, and I guess I've made a few myself. So submission does not imply inferior or lesser worth or value or intellect, though our intellects differ, or wisdom. Here's a second thing it does not imply. Submission does not mean that the wife has nothing to say. Amen? Are any of you old enough to remember? Now, I was too young to watch it, but I remember my parents watched it, and so I would catch bits and pieces of it. And there was a show called All in the Family. Archie Bunker. And when Edith would get on a roll, he'd say to her, stifle, Edith, stifle. Remember that? Yeah, you don't say to your wife, stifle. All right, don't be Archie Bunker. Submission does not mean that the wife should have nothing to say. Yes, the Bible says she should have a gentle and quiet spirit, and I urge you ladies to take that seriously. It's in God's word. But it doesn't mean that you have nothing to say, that you never have or utter an opinion, that you never give advice or counsel. Far from it. What do you think of that Proverbs 31 woman? Well, here's one of the things that we're told about her. She's amazing. Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She's got good things to say. And any husband with any sense whatsoever wants her to say them. He knows he's weak. He knows that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. He knows that by wise counsel, you shall wage your war. Honey, we're working on a big decision. That's, that's war. That's in the war category. It's big. And so he's constantly saying, baby girl, what, what do you think? By the way, I just found out, you know, I call Debbie baby girl. Jason Wallace calls Taylor baby girl. We're starting a cornerstone thing. You ladies need to get the t-shirt that says, I'm baby girl. All right, never mind. You know I'm kidding, right? All right. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. You want to be that woman. He needs your wisdom. And if you guys have any sense at all, you will constantly ask her for it, and you'll listen to it, and you two will counsel together. She may be characterized by that wisdom that is from above. James talks about this, James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and, and sincere. She, if you've married the right woman, she's characterized by those things. You want her to open her mouth and speak into the family situations. So it's not that 
A submissive woman has nothing to say. I'd rather say, are you thinking of marrying a woman? One of the things you want to look for, more than outward beauty, more than outward, she might maintain outward beauty for a long time, but its charm wears off when things are getting rough. So what do you want to look for? When she opens her mouth, will there be wisdom? I want to marry a woman who's got wisdom. Can she speak wisdom into our lives, into our marriage, into our child raising, and so on? So here's the third thing submission does not mean. Submission does not mean that a wife should give up legitimate efforts to influence her husband. She's married to a man. He's her head. But let's face it, he needs some help. God said that. Perfect man in a perfect garden, God looked at him and said, son, you need help. You don't want just him. That, there's deficiency written all over that. We need to create someone else who, like it's Rocky and Adrian. I got gaps, she's got gaps, and together we fill gaps. Yeah, that. So the wife can legitimately seek to and should influence her husband. You've heard it said, he's the head, but she's the neck that can turn the head. And she often needs to. Husbands need the influence of their wives, their counsel, their advice, their exhortations. Let me give you an Old Testament example. The courageous and wise queen, a book of the Bible is named after her. Her name is Esther. Wow, what a woman who risked everything and went in, and went in uninvited. You didn't do that. You might die if you do that. She said, oh, well, I got to do this, so I'm going to do it. She was brave, courageous, and bold, like Wyatt Earp. Outdate some of you, I know. That was the theme song. Esther went in and talked to Xerxes. Let, let me read it for you, Esther 4.16. She's talking to her uncle Mordecai or Mordecai. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a woman. What courage, what fortitude. Why is she going to the king? Because she needs to influence him. You're making the wrong decision. Let me help you make a better decision. And he needed that, and she risked her life to give it to him. And if Esther can seek to influence the decisions of Xerxes, then Debbie can surely seek to influence the decisions of Steve. Similarly, when a biblically principled wife sees her husband about to make a big mistake, she doesn't just sit there and watch it happen. Oh, well, I'm being submissive. She doesn't just watch him bring destruction and ruin to the family. No, she, she seeks to encourage him, to direct him, to counsel him, to make a better decision for our family. In fact, one of the very things she might need to influence him in is to please lead Instead of just sitting in our marriage like a bump on the log and things are falling apart, would you please take initiative, take responsibility, lead so that together we can make this thing better, so we can make it a joy and an honor and a blessing to God. Lead, please. 
So submission doesn't mean giving up legitimate efforts to influence. That's some things submission isn't. Here are some things submission is. Number one, submission is, however, still ranking yourself under hupatasso, the Greek word, under his God-ordained headship. Not just ranking yourself under, it's encouraging it. It's wanting it. It's praying for it. It's soliciting it. It's loving it. We're to love the commands of God. We're to love the things of God. We have new hearts. They love new things. Old things have passed away. What I used to love is gone. New things have come to be. What I now love is new. I love the will of God and the word of God. I love what's written in Ephesians 5. I love this. So please, husband, be a good, wise, faithful, beneficent, principled, covenant head for the blessing of our family. Please. Submission is ranking yourself under his God-ordained leadership, encouraging it, loving it. Here's the second thing. It doesn't line up logically as well, but oh well, I'm going to do it anyway. Submission is internal and valuable. That's the second thing submission is. It's internal and it's valuable. It's internal. It's not the command to be submissive to your husband is not fulfilled, is not satisfied when you say... I'll do it, but I don't like it. No, it's internal. Let's go to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Here it is. Likewise, wives, pardon me a second. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful you're respectful toward him. Ephesians 5 ends with, but let the wives see that they respect their husbands. Wives need love. Husbands need respect. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. Man, he'll really like me. Look what I'm wearing. Man, he'll really like me. Look how I've done my hair. That's all fine. Don't let that be your adorning, the thing that makes you beautiful to him the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart so he can say, and God says, I love her heart. I love what's in her soul. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. There's valuable, it's precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So you know when Sarah called Abraham Lord, don't you? It's when he was saying, uh, tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me which was a half-truth which became a whole lie to Abimelech. And he took Sarah, but God withheld him from touching Sarah, God in his common grace, God in his mercy. But it was then that Sarah called Abraham, Lord. Yes, Lord. Like, frankly, I think she should have told him, what, are you nuts? You should stand up and it should be over your dead body that they get near me. By the way, on the Lord theme, don't push that, guys. Say again, Debbie and I have been married 47 years. 
we courted, we dated for 10 months before that, so 47 years, 10 months, few more months, and I've never yet gotten her to call me Lord. But it's okay, we're young, there's time. I hope you, if you don't know that I'm kidding, I hope the laughter in the room told you I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But submission is internal. It means that there are subterranean attitudes that go much deeper down than mere outward, yes, dear, whatever. No, it's from your heart all the way down to your submission to God. And it's also, it's not only internal, it's valuable. The Bible says very precious. Now, let's just... Let's get rid of something to do with the word precious. What do you all think about when you hear the word precious? Gollum. He's got the ring, or he wants the ring. It's his precious. All right, so let's forget that. What does the word precious mean? It means really valuable. So God looks down, and he doesn't say, oh, look at her hair. That's valuable. Look at her clothing. That's valuable. No, God looks in her heart. And he sees these things in her heart, and he says, that's valuable. That would be valuable to that family, valuable to the kids, valuable to the husband, valuable to the culture. That's of great value on planet Earth. We want to cultivate that. So Christian women, this is God's word, and you need to see the value of this and desire it for its value, more valuable than a great house, a new car, a nice vacation, a new wardrobe, more valuable than lots and lots of great jewelry. It's a great value. Here's another thing submission is. Number three, submission is a mark of a strong Christian woman. It's a strong Christian woman. Back to 1 Peter 3, zoom in on verses 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah, when Abraham said, tell them you're my sister, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. Here we see how strong she is. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. She said, yes, Lord, and did not fear. Now, was it frightening? Yeah, that could have been very frightening. She was strong. This was not a mark of Sarah's weakness. This didn't indicate, well, she's just a little doormat. Abraham can walk all over her. No, she was strong enough in character to say, I will trust God with this. I'm a woman of God, and I'm going to do the will of God, and so on. She was strong, trusting in God. So this is not a mark of weakness. It's a mark of strength. It's not that you need to give up all your strengths. Don't give up any of your strengths. Your marriage needs them. Again, if your husband has any sense, he identifies your strengths and says, please put that and that and that and that into play here. We need you. Not a mark of weakness. So that was three things submission is. Now one thing that submission does, it makes it easy for him to lead. It makes it a joy for him to lead. Where do I get that? Well, we're going to draw it out of another passage that's really on a different topic. We're going to draw it out of a passage, Hebrews chapter 13, where the topic is really the relationship between people and pastors, and the people are told, make it a joy for them to be your pastors, all right? So 
I'm not after the people in pastor's part. That's not what I'm going there for. I'm not changing sermon topics right here in the middle. I didn't forget where we're going. We're still on husbands and wives, but I'm drawing a principle out of that passage because I think the principle fits any hierarchical relationship on the planet. It fits marriage. Let's read it. It's Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Again, that's not what I'm after here. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Here's what we want. Here's a pattern. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Rather than being precious, valuable, it's rather of no advantage to you. So the the godly wife understands this. And if he's giving anything like wise leadership, anything like beneficent leadership, anything like biblically principled leadership, she ought to make that a joy to him. It's advantageous. I'll just ask Christian wives, kind of a strong question, but are you making it a joy? All right, I'm going to move on. Now here's some seasoned advice for single men. Gentlemen, don't marry a woman who doesn't love this. Not just she'll tolerate it, but there's some arguing about it. No, she, Don't marry a woman who doesn't love this. One of the reasons I said to our youngest son, yeah, maybe not her. How about her? Because I saw things. She didn't love this. It wasn't going to go good. Gentlemen, don't marry a woman. We could say the same thing. Women, don't marry a guy who doesn't show great promise that he will function as a responsible, trustworthy, principled, beneficent, self-denying head who will actually lead the family to blessing and joy. He's cute isn't enough. He's cute, can wear out kind of quick when things are going bad. Marry him because you say, I see wisdom, and I think he can lead us, and it'll be a blessing in our marriage. Season advice for single men. Slide man, take us down to Ephesians 5.25, please. So next week, here's what's coming. We're going to actually go back to Genesis three, the fall, and look at some things that are in the man and in the woman by virtue of creation. God created them and put these things in us, but then some other contrary things that are in men and women by virtue of the fall and the conflicts that that makes. We're going to start off in Genesis chapter three next week, Lord willing, but then we're going to come to this verse. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and I love that the commandment to the husband is about love. Love that woman. Love that woman. She ought to be able to say, I'm feeling the love. Right? I feel loved. Not I feel crushed. Not I feel oppressed. Not, I feel embattled. No, I feel loved. Husbands, love your wives. We're going to see the model for this is Christ. The standard is Christ. The way he loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
So wives, wives listening online and aren't here today, get that man here next week. All right then, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to this portion of your word. May it have its attended effect in our hearts. And Father, we pray for the singles of Cornerstone Church that you would bless them as they follow Jesus Christ, that you would put into play in the body of Christ all their gifts, all their strengths, all their talents. Thank you for them. We enjoy their presence in our lives and in our church. We pray the same thing for married couples. Would you help husbands and wives that these things in your word may be found to be true in our homes, to your honor and to your glory, to entice a watching world, to bless our children and show them the beauty of walking after Christ. Father, would you give wisdom and strength? Would you bring humbleness to hearts of men and women? Would you help us to reason together and so do the will of God? For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.